0: Hello and welcome back to the sex magic podcast today. I am so excited to be joined with Gwen Walsh and Gwen I know you uh, just because we've stayed connected virtually for quite a long time, but it's just so exciting to have you on the show and to share your magic with us. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So Gwen, I know you are a sensuality spirituality guide, a sex educator, a witch, of course. And I'm just curious, what is it you are offering with the world and how are you showing up? And um, I guess we can start there. Sure. So I show up mostly
1: on Instagram, and I offer education and um, opportunities for reflection, fun little games on on Venus Day. And other than that, in terms of one on one and group offerings, I offer tarot readings, uh, private consultations that are education based, and I'm running my first cohort of my first course called Pleasure and Power, which will be relaunching in the new year of 2022.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. You also listen to the podcast, is that correct?
1: (laughs) Yes, I remember uh, when it first started and I found it by the name and I was just like, oh my God, this is perfect. I like remember exactly where I was when I listened to my first episode. I was like sitting in the little bungalow I was living in at the time and I was in the living room and I was like, what is this podcast?
0: This is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been a listener ever since. I really love how we've been able to connect with love witches and sex witches and mystics and healers all around the world. And I feel like we just kind of like shined this like light of sex magic. We're like, please come all of you who are also vibrating at this erotic frequency and join us. So um, I'm excited to get to know you. So uh, something I love to ask people when they come on the show is what are your spiritual beginnings? Mm. and where are you now? How has that transformed? So I
1: started my first brush with any type of spirituality was Roman Catholicism. Um, I was raised Roman Catholic, so (laughs) uh, did CCD, went to church, uh, went to Catholic school, wore the knee socks and everything, and (laughs) um, I remember like really liking the idea of spirituality, the idea that there was something bigger than me, something that kind of united me, um, and everyone else on this earth in kind of this understanding of, um, the world of uh, one's purpose, all of that. But of course there was a lot of toxicity, uh, within the realm that I was raised in terms of Catholicism, um, A lot of sexual shame, of course. A lot of Mm. kind of we don't talk about that. Um, A lot of really weird uh, shaming lessons in sexuality. Um, Mm. So wild stuff. Um, And then when I was in college, I had this like existential crisis. Um, (laughs) I was like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what my purpose is. I feel so disconnected from... Everything. I was like Mm -hmm. depressed and anxious. It was not a good time, Uh, but it was a really transformative time because I ended up um, researching different types of spirituality. Because again, I knew I liked the idea and the Mm -hmm. concepts of spirituality. Um, And so I landed on paganism. And this was, I think, Samhain of 2014. Um, so a little while ago and (laughs) I found this like Samhain meditation just on the internet and I was like, all right, I'll try this. It was like a little like walking in the woods sort of meditation. And so it was like dusk on Samhain in 2014. And I went out to the woods behind my college campus because I was at like a really rural college in Maine. Amazing. And (laughs) yeah, and I just like felt the air around me, the soil beneath me, found a really nice tree to sit and meditate with. And I was just like, oh, this is where it's at. (laughs) (laughs) So from there, I just kind of continued, um, like I love learning. I'm very much an academic. So I just continued researching and Mm -hmm. connecting with um, communities in the witchcraft and pagan scene And here I am today
0: teaching it. (laughs) Amazing. I love that revelation when the earth invites you to be spiritual with her. It's just like, I think everyone probably has felt it at some point of their life or maybe just even a glimmer of it. But when you just have that like deep connection with the earth and how transcendent that feels and also how comforting it is and how beautiful that coincided with your introduction to the witchcraft realm. Um, And I love that you are an academic. It's something that I really admire when I see your posts, um, just that you integrate a more scholarly perspective. I'm someone who didn't go to college and kind of just teach myself by reading. Um, but I guess, uh, how has, how has formal education informed your approach to sexuality and spirituality and healing? Yeah. So
1: I have um, a BA in women's studies. That's what I, well, I landed on women's (laughs) studies. I didn't go to college thinking I was going to land on women's studies, but I did. And so um, like Black feminist theory and um, like all of these different women's studies theories uh, really informed my academic um, experience, you know? Mm. And so I love... I love all of the kind of intuitive aspects of spirituality. And I also love, I mean, I'm an earth sign, earth sun and earth moon. (laughs) So I love the really grounded real world applications Mm. of all of these intuitive, um, kind of, you know, feelings, emotions based things. Mm. And so when I was in college, like I really enjoyed learning about, um, like the, the statistics of things, the research behind things, um, and how, how that can kind of inform our emotional experience. Cause like, there's so little research on, for example, like the human clitoris, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's so, there's so little research on, um, a lot about you know anatomy and sexuality and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And the things that we do know, the statistics that we can bring out can be really affirming to people. So like when I worked as a sex educator at a sex toy store um, and I kind of listed off statistics for people of, oh yeah, you know, this percentage of people find that they orgasm this way or that they don't orgasm mm-hmm. that way, it was so affirming to people to just have that number to kind of ground themselves in so that they could go forward with more confidence and be like, Aww. oh my God, I'm normal. Mm-hmm. So I love kind of bringing that aspect into it and merging those two worlds. Cause some folks are all the way in like the intuitive world. Some folks are all the way in the academic world. And I like being able to touch upon both of those worlds.
0: Mm, yeah. Oh, man. I totally agree with you. I feel as though that they can really support each other. And I think if you go too far in one direction, you you lose sense of uh, grounding and of balance. Um, and my my big three, it's all very mercurial and dual. Um, I'm Gemini with Virgo moon and Pisces rising. So it's all kind of like over all over the place. But I really value finding the threads that weave everything together. Um, So I really love that perspective. Uh, So today, dear listeners, we are going to be focusing on love. I I just feel as though this season, um, since it is our last season, I really wanted to make sure we covered all of the foundational conversations surrounding the intersection of sexuality and spirituality. And I think we need more love. I think that we needed to have more conversations about intimacy and desire and eroticism and romance and love magic. And it is the most powerful force in the world. So we got to have a whole conversation about it. And thank you for <laughs> for bringing that today. <laughs> Absolutely. So where do we even begin? I guess, have you ever done a love spell? <laughs> well,
1: will oh, ease into it. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be a love witch if I hadn't done a love spell um, and <laughs> fucked it up royally. <laughs> oh my God, spell. <laughs> so I, I love, this is why I love teaching about love magic and the psychology of love because mm. it is so compelling in this way of, It's so easy to fuck things up and, (laughs) you know, not really understand the the right way, if you will, of doing Mm -hmm. things um, or rather the ethical way of doing love magic, because that's Mm -hmm. kind of one of the more contentious points is how can one possibly do an ethical love spell? Mm. Um, so that's something that I spent a lot of time exploring. But when I was a younger baby witch, um, <laughs> I did a love spell and it was on like some moon in Taurus, either in the new or the full moon in Taurus. And I remember I had like this white candle, I had the rose petals. It, it was mm. a great time. Um, and I asked for the type of love that would be best for me. At the moment or the type Mm -hmm. of love that I needed or whatever. And I definitely got the type of love that I needed, but not (laughs) at all, not at all in the way that I thought. So (laughs) it was a very, uh, it was not a healthy relationship. It was a very, very much like a trial by fire, if you will. Mm. So it was the type of love that I needed to experience in terms of gaining strength and emotional resilience and learning the hard way. Mm. But it was not the type of love that I would have uh, <laughs> chosen for myself.
0: <laughs> uh, don't you just love when the universe gives you exactly what you need? It's great. It's yeah. Just great. Thanks so much. <laughs> mhm. Hmm. So I'm curious, like what was the, I mean, if you feel called to share, if it's not too sacred, um, the specifics of the spell. Yeah. So I
1: don't remember it was years ago, so I don't Mm. remember like exactly what I did. I just remember that it was either a new or a full moon in Taurus and it was a little white chime candle and rose petals and, Mm that's all that I remember of like the specifics, mm. but where I see myself fucking up was again, like being very vague with my intention of like, whatever love is best for me right now. Like that that's very vague. And so it left a lot of space for, all right, well, we can teach you a lesson then. Yeah. Even though I didn't <laughs> expect that. So that's what I remember from it.
0: Mm. Well, now that we've graduated baby witch status, (laughs) we've learned our lessons, what would you say is the best approach to casting a love spell?
1: Absolutely. So the type of love spells that I recommend are either like love spells that are based in self-love that are kind of touching upon uh, like the realm of glamour magic in terms Mm. of you know, tuning into one's own confidence, tuning into one's own allure, things like that where you are bringing out or amplifying qualities that you already have that you want Mm -hmm. to increase in order to naturally magnetize people who would be authentic connections to you without messing with their free will. So a love spell on yourself to make yourself more magnetizing towards potential partners in an authentic way Mm -hmm. Um, or a road opener spell um, or like a notice me spell, if you will. So spells that open up the opportunity. You know, if you, for example, if you know you're going to a party or you know you're going to Um, be introduced to a certain person that you're interested in potentially having a connection with. You can do a road opening spell or like a notice me spell to incite that opportunity for connection so that you have the chance to connect with that person. And then things can happen and unfold you know, however they will. So like you're creating the opportunity, but you're not messing with anyone's free will or like, anything like that, if you will.
0: Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's so important to always remember is uh, to not be specific in the person you're to never cast a love spell on someone, or in my opinion, cast a spell on anyone without their consent. Mm -hmm. Because of that key word is that we don't have the consent to bend anyone's will without their blessing, without their okay. That's a really great approach. And I feel like the Road Opener Spell, the Notice Me Spell, those are two very like foundational spells in witchcraft that I've seen in in many spell books. And there's so many different ways to approach them and personalize them. Mm -hmm. But it's also so interesting, the, the glamour magic element. Something I recently was doing some research on is like the etymology of the word glamour, the actual definition of glamour. And, um, you know, we can interpret this in glamour magic is to cast a glamour is not just to put makeup on or to dress in any specific way. It's actually where you physically change your appearance and that you have that uh, like ability to consciously shift your appearance based on someone else's perception, so that's something really fascinating. Um, what that might mean in in love spell magic as well.
1: Yeah, I've um, so I'm connected with at least a couple of glamour witches um, and hearing, learning about from them, their kind of own theory on glamour magic. The mm. two that come to mind are Lilith Moon and Michael Herkes. Um, and I love the idea of glamour being not a false facade that we put on, but like mm. drawing out as, you know, the two folks that I mentioned, drawing out, um, what we already have within us. So mm. I love that kind of reclamation of glamour, not as sneaky or manipulative in a mm-hmm. negative way, but, um, in terms of claiming the things that we want to embody and embrace within ourselves. So it's Absolutely. been really nice, you know, being in this community, connecting with those types of witches, um, and kind of redeveloping meanings for all of these, mm. um, concepts that have existed for so long.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And it's interesting that, Uh, that approach of pulling something from within you and externalizing it is similar to what you were talking about earlier with developing a love spell and focusing on self-love. And if we nurture these parts of ourselves that we seek to attract, then the universe will respond as such, giving us what we need because we're already giving it to ourselves. So... That's something I've actually noticed in my previous relationships. The people that I'm so attracted to have qualities and characteristics that I seek to have within myself. Mm -hmm. So rather than seeking it externally, giving it to ourselves internally, and um, then letting the universe continue that attraction, that magnetism. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk a little more about self-love Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, with self-love, I I mean, it's like the basis of my work. Um, I love talking about it. I love guiding people in it because it's something that a lot of us are not taught, unfortunately. And it is this kind of great rebellious act, if you will, if you want to mm-hmm. think of it that way. Um, or this great kind of coming home to ourselves, because we are in a society that wants to separate us from ourselves, wants to kind of capitalize on the opportunities that we have to be disconnected from ourselves, from the Mm -hmm. people around us. And really investing in one's own self-love is kind of that key to translating and applying those feelings through anything so when we invest in our self-love then we invest in our boundaries we invest in developing ourselves we invest in being okay um and embracing ourselves you know spending time alone and being able to tolerate or thrive in it and it really is that like foundational skill and ability um in order to give us that kind of ultimate freedom and joy throughout the rest of our lives?
0: Mm, yeah, definitely. I think that it's, it's a constant goal to work towards this journey of loving yourself. Um, but I think that like sometimes it can be really daunting, especially when you're in situations where you may be trapped in negative self-talk or maybe not even being conscious that you need to be focusing on this part of your life, part of your practice. So I guess, how does one, I guess this is a big, big question. How do you become aware that you need to love yourself?
1: Mm. Yeah,
0: I mean... For myself,
1: I found all of these things through like the most difficult times of my life. Those Mm. really uh, Saturnine, Saturnian, however you want to say, times of my life um, Mm. where I felt very, very separated from my inner Venus, my inner self-lover. And finding like the tolerance to be in that inner void and then going from there because Obviously, we're not going to be self-love deities (laughs) from day one. (laughs) Yeah. And the key is not really to be perfect with it, but to develop the positive coping skills in Mm -hmm. order to navigate through greater and greater self-love challenges and to have it be easier and easier and gain more competence and confidence in that. And... Mm -hmm. I guess for myself, um, tarot has been a huge part of that. That's why I love um, mm. reading tarot for myself, yeah, and for clients because it really tarot illustrates like the entire spectrum of the human experiences, all of our emotions, all of our deepest needs and vulnerabilities, and. I love tarot because it gives us that opportunity to open our hearts and to be intimate with ourselves and to reflect on like, if the 10 of swords or the three of swords Mm. or whatever comes up, how does that land for us? Like, can we accept that in our lives? Can we be open to that pain? Mm. And can we be open to how beautiful it is that we are capable of feeling so deeply, even Mm. though it's painful? and i think that really is one of the keys to self love is being able to witness the entirety of ourselves you know mm. the three of swords and the 10 of cups and <laughs> to find the comfort kind of within it you know mm. to be able to be by ourselves and to still feel wrapped in that love and to be able to romanticize our lives and to navigate through kind of all of those ebbs and flows of life and know that the cycle will continue. We'll be happy again. We'll be sad again, and then we'll be happy again.
0: Mm, yeah. Wow. So powerful, and uh, so the way you phrase this is so deeply connected to the cyclical rhythms of of the earth and of you know the pagan practice. Mm-hmm. And I think that something to return to as like a touchstone in that self love journey is that perfectionism has no, there's no place for perfectionism in self-love. There's no um, way that we can be like the best self-lover that it's like, you have to be the ideal, like Venus divine, always embodied. And that the opposite of perfectionism really is intimacy because when you are truly intimate with a lover, you see all their flaws and you love those flaws. And so to give that to ourselves is really a beautiful practice and a beautiful thing to always continue working towards. Exactly. And yeah, that's why I love what I do because with
1: sexuality and spirituality, they're both two very vulnerable and intimate aspects of our lives that Mm -hmm. we've been taught they need to be like one specific way or like you can only have sex this one way or you can only have this one type of spirituality when in reality like they're so deeply personal and unique to each person and Mm -hmm. they require if we want to really find our power within those things and find our power in our lives in general, it requires this type of emotional introspection that a lot of us are not taught how to do. And so that's what I'm trying to help people with.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that you are a guide for people in that way. Thank you. Yeah. I believe, honestly, like, I think what I love most, one of the things I love most about spirituality is that it requires self-awareness. And self-awareness is something that I value so much in myself and with others. Every relationship I look towards, I'm always seeking someone who is very consciously aware of themselves, always growing and exploring. And that introspection is something that we continue to nurture throughout our lives as we grow and evolve and something that we both wanted to talk about today is developing your intuition and developing an intimacy with your desire. And I think that's something that requires that profound conscious self awareness. Um, but I'm curious, like, what are some ways we can deepen our connection to our intuition and where desire comes in in that? Mm, yeah. Well, where I like to start is being able to delineate
1: between intuition and anxiety. Cause that's something mm-hmm. that a lot of folks, myself included, uh, struggle with. And that's kind of the starting point is how do I know when something's intuition and when it's anxiety? And I love, um, I believe her name is Elizabeth Kubler Ross. Um, she's a psychiatrist and she said something about how there are only two emotions, love and fear and how mm-hmm. all, The good things, if you will, come from love, and all the negative or bad things come from fear. And I love to use that as kind of a compass uh, for my own intuition. And when I teach it to clients, Mm. is, you know, does it feel like the feeling, the message, whatever, is coming from a place of love and calmness of like, yep, this is just what's happening. This is the message, and I don't have any emotional attachment to it. Or is it coming from a place of fear of, what if, what if this is going to happen? Like, I'm so afraid of this happening or whatever. And being able to discern between those two is like a key component of developing intuition. And there's so much that goes into intuitive development. Um, I love talking about like the clairs, the intuitive senses. Um, mm,
0: I love you know, clairvoyance. that too. Yeah, yes, Clairvoyance. Yes, yes, yes.
1: All of I that, I identify yeah. as
0: clairsentient, which oh, is... Oh, me too. <laughs> uh, psychic feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something I, I've had I since it. I was a kid. Yeah, no, that's such a beautiful way to connect to your intuition. You're right. Sorry, I interrupted you because I was very excited. Oh, no. <laughs> You're good. I love it. Um, yeah, clairsentience is a huge one of mine
1: too and kind of, again, going back to tarot, like doing tarot readings for oneself and recording what you feel from the cards, the intuitive kind mm-hmm. of nudges you pick up from the cards can be a really great low stakes way to develop your intuition. Mm-hmm. Cause if you just do like even a daily or weekly one card pull And, you know, you feel what you feel from the card before you flip it over. And then after you flip it over and utilizing again, those intuitive languages and writing down what you find, and then looking back Mm -hmm. on those records, that can be a really great way to kind of build confidence in like, Oh, you know, every time I got like a tangle on the back of my neck, it was something I needed to watch out for. Or every time that I felt whatever it meant that something good was coming my way. And so practicing intuition in low stakes ways can give someone the opportunity to like trust themselves in little little ways little opportunities mm. so that you can have the confidence to apply that intuition to higher stakes things like should i take this job or that job should mm. i be with this person or not you know
0: yeah i love that we're training for a marathon <laughs> <laughs> an intuitive marathon <laughs> an intuitive marathon <laughs> when we i i suppose we have two different conversations three really We have the single lover, we have the coupled witch, and we also have the, I don't fit in any of those boxes, which, which I've been in as a poly person. Um, And so I guess like how, how can we develop our intuition in the realm of love when we're in those three stages?
1: Mm, Yeah. So when one is single cuz this is what i have the most experience with mm-hmm. <laughs> historically um feeling what you want to feel when you're in an ideal partnership if you're looking for a partnership mm-hmm. so if you are a single witch and you are aiming for some type of partnership in your life really reflect on you know the warmth of the feeling you want to feel in an ideal partnership do you feel trusted? Do you feel like, you know, your person or people are devoted to you? Do you feel like uh, adventurous? Like you go on a lot of adventures Mm -hmm. with this person or people. Do you feel like they are there to support you? And that's a really big thing with relationships is they're so different to so many people. Like I've had partners where I've asked them what a relationship means to them. And they kind of look at me like I have two heads and they're like, what do you mean? What does a relationship mean to me? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> and and for that person, um, what a relationship meant to them was someone that would, you know, they could come home to at the end of the day that would listen to them and be there for them. Mm -hmm. And that was very different than what a relationship meant to me in an ideal sense. So for me, it's someone who, you know, doesn't always just agree with me who pushes me, inspires me, someone that I can teach and also learn from Mm. and who I can really grow and develop with both as individuals and as partners and someone who it's like, we are lucky to be in each other's lives. We don't need each other. We want each other, if that Mm. makes sense. Yes. And that's not what everyone's looking for and that's okay. So really figuring out what that is for the individual will help you to appreciate, you know, your singleness and also appreciate when the right person or people come into your life.
0: Mm, yeah. Giving language to your desire. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So powerful. And having your intuition be that compass, which, you know, is present when you're single or coupled or in many dynamics. Mm-hmm. Did that answer your question sufficiently? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you're answering all my questions sufficiently. (laughs)
1: Amazing. That's what my Virgo self hopes for.
0: (laughs) I know you identify as a love witch. I'm curious if you could expand on that and perhaps enlighten our listeners as I feel like we have a lot of love witches listening as well. Absolutely. So to me
1: in my own experience, being a love witch means focusing on what love is, all of the different aspects and emotions of love and working with that, living it myself and exuding love and putting more love into the world. Um, Because I really do believe that love is so many things. It is the most powerful thing in the world. Mm. I believe that It's so personal to every individual, but it's also so universal. And I really think that if we can discern what love is in our own lives as individuals, Mm -hmm. what we need, where our most sensitive, tender points are within ourselves, Mm -hmm. and finding self intimacy, self awareness, and confidence in those things, Mm -hmm. then we can open our hearts up and. Really just radiate and exude more love as opposed to being numbed out and disconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, so for myself, you know, being a love witch in practice does mean, you know, working with deities. It does mean like doing spells and rituals and stuff by myself. But a lot of it for me is the practical application of being a love witch. So for -hmm. (laughs) for me, being a love witch is like being extra nice to the barista at Starbucks because that's Mm -hmm. not something that everyone does or has to do, but it's something that makes a real world difference in somebody's life. And, you know, choosing to exude and express love when I could choose to just be mean or cold, you know? And like teaching people what love means to me in my own experience. So for myself, um, something I've worked a lot with clients on is the difference between kind and nice and how a lot of people, especially folks who were socialized female believe or were taught to believe that you have to be nice all the time. And that means like people pleasing and like at the detriment of one's own boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so for me, part of being a love witch is doing that psychological, emotional work with people of getting to the root of, you know, why are we not giving ourselves love first? Because we need to give ourselves love first in order to be able to radiate love from a full cup, if you will. And so working on kind of that Delineation of the difference between kind and nice, and Mm. deconstructing that and figuring out, like, how can I, as an individual, uh, maintain my own self respect, my own radical self love, and my own boundaries so that I can be kind, not nice, if that makes sense. Because kind kind of implies that question of integrity, that question of. Taking the extra effort to do the compassionate thing. And sometimes the compassionate thing is not the nice thing, not the gentle, Mm -hmm. polite, people pleasing thing. Mm -hmm. So, basically, to me, being a love witch means working with all of those emotional, psychological, and intuitive aspects of love in order to help people to live more erotic, engaged lives, help them live life to the fullest, and heal that kind of emotionally disconnected um, status quo that we see so much of in our society.
0: Mm. Oh, so many jewels of wisdom in everything you've said. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I I really relate. And I love that you expanded the definition of love, not just including a romantic partner, but also being kind to that person who's the barista. And I think that it is so important for us as humans, as witches, as love witches to remember that love is so profoundly expansive and there are so many shades and variations of love. And I also really love what you said about, um, you know, having the differentiation between kind and nice and still acting out of a place of love. And I think that so many people feel... So many have this preconceived notion that to be, you know, living in love means to have like boundless love when really love has boundaries. The best love has boundaries. It's protective of the heart, even though it is still coming from that heart open place. So I really love that you touched upon that. And I think it's so important to to come back to that and to remember and to check in with ourselves in all of our relationships, whether that be with friends or partners, parents, teachers, like always coming back to remembering where our boundaries are, whether our boundaries are being pushed. And if we are living in a place of love, if we are operating from that heart open place and still making sure we are protected and as a green witch i always love to go back to the symbolism of the rose and how the rose blooms and it is the it is the like universal symbol of love mm-hmm. everyone receives roses on valentine's day and that rose is blooming so tenderly and yet always has strong protective thorns to make sure it can bloom so i love everything you shared about that Thank you.
1: Exactly. And, you know, thinking about eroticism, sexuality, and herbs to kind of tie all of that together. Mm -hmm. Um, So I draw a lot of my theory based on Esther Perel's work. She's an amazing Mm -hmm. um, therapist. And she talks about eroticism in the sense of feeling alive and feeling sensual, engaging all of the senses and really being present. And thinking about that in the context of sexuality, in the context of herbalism to go even further, a lot of the herbs that are associated with sexuality are also associated with death. If we think about, you know, herbs like mandrake, for example. And I really see that in the sense of having that courage in love does require accepting that sometimes we're going to need to, Reject people. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we are going to get our heart broken. Things are going to end. And in terms of that kind of, you know, sexuality, death, intimacy, all of that, kind of the cornerstone of all of those things is honesty. Mm
0: -hmm. Really
1: fully seeing the authenticity of ourselves and whoever we are in relation with. And that kind of honesty is really scary for a lot of people, just like real intimacy is mm-hmm. really scary for a lot of people. And so I love looking at how all of these things coalesce in the real world, in the herbalism mm-hmm. world, in the psychology world. And, you know, the cornerstone of my work really is connection. And so I love seeing. The connection of all of those things um, and how they all apply to things that already exist in our lives. Like this is not all coming out of a vacuum. It's all interconnected. Ah,
0: oh, yes, I agree. Oh my gosh, so true. And I love what you said about the connection between love, eroticism, and death. And I think that it's it's really powerful to develop intimacy with death as well as part of our journey with love. And no matter what direction you're going in, whether you are entering into a relationship or you are leaving a relationship, there is a death in both ways, because there might be the death of that relationship as it once was. And there's a rebirth of you as someone new who is blossoming into a single person once more. But also when you Um, choose to fall in love when your heart opens there also is that death of the single self the death of the maiden in an archetypical way and there's so much um, bravery that is required which going back to the point you made about love and fear being the two emotions and can we move forward and live ecstatically from a place of love rather than living in resistance in a place of fear. Exactly. Because if we think about
1: our fear of death as a culture, fear Mm -hmm. of getting old, fear of wrinkles, fear of relationships failing, quote unquote, all of that comes from fear, you know? Mm -hmm. And when we enter that place of love, when you really take on the identity and the responsibility of being a love witch it is that dedication to being in to existing in and embodying that place of love of mm. if someone doesn't like me that's okay i can let that die you know mm-hmm. i can let that relationship die i don't have to hold on to it forever and hope that I can make it work. If something's not meant to be, I can let it die because I exist in a place of love, which is a place of endless abundance. And I know that's like a big ambiguous word, but if you think about it, like even Hades, the God of death in the underworld, he is very much uh, a personality, which is like, if you like me and want to work with me, cool. And if you Mm -hmm. don't, then I'm not upset. Like, I'm not mad. I'm not Mm going to control you and make you work with me because I know my worth and I don't need to connect with anyone that doesn't need to connect with me. And that's really the type of persona that we want to embody is being in this place of an abundance mindset of the people that are naturally magnetized to me and to my confidence, my knowledge of self-worth and self-love, mm. those people are gonna come to me. And people that don't like me,
0: it's okay if they don't like me, you know. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so glad you brought up Hades. I have such a crush on Daddy Hades. <laughs> and yeah, I feel as though the Persephone Hades relationship actually is such a wonderful representation of love in the more um, Pre Hellenic telling of Persephone, which she wanders to the underworld by her own desire, following the voices of the dead and becoming the queen of the underworld. Um, and how Hades is just kind of like, oh my God, hey, um, yeah, you can say you want to be queen. And, you know, that partnership with Demeter as well and surrendering his love to return to her mother, which is an act of love and letting her have that. Um, having that relationship as well. And I just think, oh man, I just, they're such goals. Um, but that actually inspires my next question. You mentioned working with deities. So I was curious um, who you work with. Yeah, so my two main deities now are Hades and Venus
1: slash Aphrodite, um, however one wants to refer to her. And I love the balance of the two of them because Hades to me, He's a newer presence. Um, I've been working with him for maybe five months now. Um, And I work with a really great high priestess of Hades named Angelica Cressy. Definitely look her up on Instagram. She's Mm -hmm. awesome. And for me, Hades is very much the the groundedness, the stability, um, and this amazing understanding of divine masculine that is very healing for me as someone Mm. who came from a divine masculine tradition that wasn't necessarily the most healthy for me. Mm. So it's been amazing to reclaim the divine masculine and to feel that sense of being held and supported and really uplifted to live my divine purpose, my life's calling, Mm. and to be able to be in this place of trust and surrender and, um, to just have that kind of radical faith that I never really had before. Mm. So that's been amazing and very much like intertwined with my journey as a love witch, too. Because for me, Hades calls for me to be present, to be very much embodied in the moment, in the eroticism of the moment, you know, feeling alive, engaging with my senses, being very honest with myself and taking that kind of courageous aligned action, which as a Virgo, I'm often in my head and not in the mm-hmm. real world. So all of those are very challenging, but it's been really healing to do all mm-hmm. of that. And as for Venus, um, she's been amazing in my life in terms of deconstructing and redefining all of her aspects because she's such a far reaching deity. Like Mm. people think of her, as I'm sure, you know, as like just the goddess of, of love and beauty. And when you really meet with Venus and interact with her and open yourself to her, she, at least in my experience, I kind of had like a rocky start because I was very fascinated by her. But at the same time, through working with her, I had to deconstruct all of my preconceived notions of beauty as frivolous and Mm -hmm. play as frivolous and pointless. And all of these aspects of her, you know, the goddess of good mischief, the goddess Mm -hmm. of love, the goddess of beauty and luxury. And so it's all of these things that I kind of had to contend with within myself of, why am I resisting Mm. beauty for beauty's sake? Why do I feel like play is pointless? And where does that come from? Is that a feeling that I own or is that something that I was taught by a Protestant ruled society Mm -hmm. that is very, uh, production based. Mm -hmm. So working with both of those deities has been absolutely amazing and, very transformative for me in my own journey of self-intimacy and my own journey as a love witch.
0: Amazing. That's so beautiful. I encourage everyone who is feeling called to start their journey with either Venus or Hades to, you know, really listen. If they're calling to you, start that uh, devotional. Mm -hmm. So we are sadly, somehow already approaching the end of our conversation. I don't know how it went by so fast. Um, We always ask this at the end of our episode. If you could give your younger self one piece of advice about sexuality, spirituality, the intersection of the two, what would it be? Mm. That's a
1: hard one. (laughs) I would say put yourself first, take the time and effort to get to know yourself. It is work, but it's worth it. And always seek out knowledge.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I guess also, I was curious, would you be open to sharing like a little love spell with us? Absolutely. Is there a certain type that you are interested in? I guess um, something that our listeners could practice independently, whether they're in a relationship or not. Mm. I love that. All right. Hmm. (laughs) On the spot.
1: (laughs) I am trying to decide in my head between two. Uh, So... Hmm... Uh, My Gemini Rising cannot decide. So I'm going to do two. One is more simple and one is more involved. So the first one that I thought of was that kind of road opening spell. And again, pretty easy. Um, I just did one recently myself. So it's fresh in my mind. Mm. So all you really need is a candle if you want. So I used a dark blue candle because it was the was it the new moon? It was a full moon in Pisces. That was Mm -hmm. the recent one we had, but you can use a red one, a white one, whatever. And then any herbs that correspond with road opening with good fortune. Um, so I believe I used like eye bright because that's good for vision. And it was kind of like an eye opening road opening spell, um, you can use Mandrake, um, but just don't ingest it because it's toxic. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Rose, of course, and um, Motherwort is great for confidence. And Ladies Mantle is awesome because um, it kind of is like a magical exclamation point. It increases the efficacy <laughs> um, and the impact of magic. And then just, you know, saying any sort of, Incantation that you feel you can use a road opening oil. I love the ones from House of Hoodoo in New Orleans. Um, and then really focusing on that feeling of warmth and excitement and success when this opportunity is opened for you. So, whether it's the opportunity of you know confidence pouring into you, or the opportunity of meeting someone that you have coming up, or whatever really feeling that warmth and love just enveloping you. And mm. it, it just, it feels so good when you feel it. So I'm really excited for folks to try this and to just mm. really feel that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's kind of the simple version of that. Um, and then a, another really simple one that I love doing is kind of this like, mm, aura of allure, if you want. Um, Mm -hmm. and for myself, like I, I am very, you know, my Gemini rising, like of two selves. I have Mm -hmm. my really insecure, like still stuck in third grade mindset self. And then I have this self that's like, I am the baddest bitch to ever exist. (laughs) Like, So it's very weird to try to reconcile Mm. the two, but when I need to lean more on that confident self, um, and I've done this before, like really quick before, you know, meeting important people or whatever, I literally just envision this bright red, like burgundy or scarlet aura around myself. Mm. And I, I, feel into like that deep rooted foundational confidence. Um, If you have like an inspiration, like, I don't know, Beyonce, or for me, it's Elaine from the Love Witch movie. I just think Mm -hmm. of that and I'm just like, oh, I am good. (laughs) And it's worked, you know, people notice it. Just like people can sniff out fakeness, people notice... When Mm. you are confident and when you're really in yourself and it magnetizes them, it attracts Mm. them. They're like, wow, this person is really feeling themselves. Mm. And it's just beautiful to see, you know, the opportunities for authentically connecting people that open up when you're able to connect with that inner confidence and radiance and energetically exude it outward.
0: Oh, amazing. I'm going to try this ASAP. And if any of our listeners try this, please join us on Discord and we can all talk about it and share our experiences. Uh, So thank you so much, Gwen, for being on the show. I'm so glad you got to join us for the final season. And um, if you could just share with our listeners how people can stay in touch with you and follow your work, um, any offerings you have...
1: Absolutely. So um, mainly I am on Instagram. I'm at Gwen Walsh, G-W-E-N-W-A-L-S-H. And um, my Just kind of existing offerings are, I'm opening up my next cohort of my course, Pleasure and Power for the new year, 2022. So we're starting in January and that's what I'm most excited about. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm always offering one-on-one tarot readings and consultations. And you can find those at the book now button on my Instagram or on my website, www.gwenwalsh.com. Amazing.
0: Thank you so much, Gwen. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Tosca. (laughs) The Sex Magic Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a collective, a community, a conversation. If what we do here resonates with you, I'd like to invite you to join us on Patreon. But what even is Patreon? It's an online platform where you can directly support artists and creators. In exchange, you receive exclusive benefits. It's a direct form of energetic exchange. If you'd like to join us on Patreon, we have some incredible monthly benefits such as live Q and A's where you can ask us questions every month and tune in to get them all answered. We also have an incredible Discord community where you can connect with other people around the world and talk about things within the realm of sexuality and spirituality along with monthly resources, rituals, tarot insight, and crystal guides to help further your spiritual path. So if you'd like to support us and show us how much you appreciate the work that we do with the Sex Magic Podcast, I invite you to check out our Patreon. We have the link down in the show notes, but you can also go on patreon.com slash sexmagicpodcast.